Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, and we will be reading and commenting on two paragraphs. They are the third paragraph on page 34 and the first paragraph on page 35, beginning with, how then shall we help our readers determine, and ending with, why does he, of what is he thinking? Today's readers are Yvette A., Anita L., Lynn S., Amanda R., and Lauren N. Our newcomer greeter is Suzanne W. The reference number for yesterday, numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017, are 9896-9896 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting and 9898 that's 9898, for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA, those who still suffer. Our fifth tradition states, this is our sole purpose, our fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Yvette A. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Rebecca, and thank you for your service. This is Yvette A., Grateful Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, 
made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I pass. Thanks, Yvette A. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And I'll say the word time if you get to that three-minute mark, just to let you know. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 34, the third paragraph, beginning with how then shall we help our readers determine through the first paragraph on page 35, which begins with what sort of thinking and ends with why does he of what is he thinking? We will begin, we will be commenting on both of these paragraphs. I will now ask Lynn S. to get us started. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. How then shall we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree, which has brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy, are mystified when he walks directly into a saloon. Why does he? Of what is he thinking? Good morning, I'm Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater. And it's funny, you know, in my book, for obviously this is the crux of the problem, I didn't have that part underlined. And that's one of the things that has really become so obvious to me in studying the big book with vision is the mental obsession is the problem. They've, they've dealt with the physical. They mentioned that briefly, but here it's the mental obsession that causes that problem, and it dominates us. And it, it's amazing because I was sitting here reflecting on all the different excuses that I would have for picking up again, and they were so stupid, and some of them made no sense, and others were completely valid. But what's completely valid in my mind? You know, like, of course I'm going to pick up. My mother just died, or of course whatever. But what's so interesting is we were talking about this last night in a meeting, the ability to remember the absolute devastation and how awful it was when I'm in the food can be so difficult to recall. And at that moment, it goes out the window and it doesn't make any difference. But what's really striking me today is how it's the mental obsession that's the problem. I was just thinking how... It's been almost three years now where I have been relieved of that mental obsession. And, you know, it was just reminding me how awful it was. I don't have that crazy debate in my mind. Will I, won't I? The store closes in a few minutes. I can run out now. I don't want to do this, but I really do. That occupied my mind 24-7. And it just really brings home that this really is the crux of the problem. And the main problem rests in my mind. And to be free of that, 
to have that chatter removed from my mind is amazing. And, and what's interesting is, you know, as we read on through the book, they're going to describe all those different thoughts and feelings that the alcoholic has preceding the first drink or that the compulsive overeater has preceding that first bite. Um, and it's a devastating place to be, and thank God I'm not there now. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Okay, who would like to share? Um, Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay, hold up. There's really no point because I'm going to try to get the first person I heard, which was something like Rob. Was Simon H. Barbara E. Madam. Give her a chance. Y'all walling out. Give her a chance. So the wild. person who restated your name, I still didn't catch it. And I want Diane to Barbara. Barbara. Diane G. H. Diane H. Deborah R. Nessa okay, R. So, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so thank you, Charles, for trying to get my back. So I think the first person's name was Diane. Am I right? Diane H. Diane H. And then I heard a Barbara, correct? Yes, that is correct. Barbara and E. And your first E. Okay. All right. Uh, if you can tell, you know, kind of police yourself. Do you remember if you were the third person to try to speak up by any chance? Nessa R. Nessa R. Okay. Matt M. Matt M. Charles Charles Katie, Deborah R. Deborah R. I think I heard Katie D from Boston. Larry. Okay. Let's stop there. I think I heard Larry, but we're going to stop there. Okay. So I've got Diane H., Barbara E., Nessa R., Matt M., Charles H., Deborah R., Katie D., and Larry. I forget. Okay. Diane H., go right ahead. Rebecca, if you would unmute, please. I think something has muted you. And we're looking for Diane H. Uh, my you name, one, please. My name is Thank Diane so H. Melanie. Hello, my name is Diane H. Um, Hi. I um, was abstinent 75 days, and um, I went out and ate compulsively one night because I got some medical information that I did not work the steps on and did not know how to process. And I thought that eating would solve the problem instead of doing a 10th step on it. And I was on my ninth step. And um, the mental obsession started again. And um, I had to go back to the beginning of the doctor's opinion and now, instead of having the medical procedure, which I was so upset about, I'm going on vacation. I'm all worried about this again because I have to worry about what everybody's going to be eating. And 
So going back to the 75 days that I was abstinent, at least I had some confidence in the fact that I had my black, you know, my green and red light food. And now I'm just anxious about what everybody else is going to be eating and staying abstinent because I'm just so newly abstinent again. And so it's just, just anxiety provoking. I really have to buckle down on my program and do, you know, do everything, listen to the meetings and listen to the podcast and stay in the big book and do my prayer and meditation and get my exercise and um, just go to any lengths, bring my own food. And who cares what anybody else thinks about me? Um, just, you know, this is life and death. And just remember that. Thank you so much. I've had Thank you, Diane H. I'm glad you had a turn. Barbara E. Thank you so much. May you hear me? Can you hear me? I hear you, Barbara. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. What sort of thinking dominated me each time I went back to compulsive overeating? I've been pondering that uh, for more than half a century. I'm thin and still unhappy so I'll eat. I'm going on a trip, and just for that trip, just for that period of time, I'll eat like a normal person. After a function that I've dieted my way down to, amnesia, I don't remember the pain of being into the compulsive overeating. No reason at all. And a biggie for me, boredom. All reasons. I have no idea why I went out. No idea. I've been compulsively overeating since I was a child, climbing up on the counter to reach the cookies that my mother had up in the bread box. I've been doing it, but it's been getting worse. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, OA. 20 years ago, I stumbled into this room. It must have been a higher power. I tried almost every way And for some reason, something made me keep coming back and act as if until I could believe. I am flying right now, one day at a time. And I don't mean on a plane. I mean my mental spirit. I don't care what it's like out there in the compulsive overeating world. We have food all over the house. My husband has it. He doesn't hide it. He eats it in front of me. It's beautiful. It's art. I don't care. I won't eat it. I eat the food I've committed to, and I stick to it, and I work the program like crazy. I say the seven-step prayer every day. I pray for my defects to be re, uh, replaced by assets. Just yesterday, I was able to use one of them at the gym when I tried to keep up with someone. and fortunately I didn't fall and I laughed and said well there's competitiveness I, I need to replace it with acceptance I am who I am and I'm perfect just the way I am today and today I'm working the program and grateful to be here with you on this sunny Wednesday I pass and thank you thank you Barbara E Nessa R Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. 
recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, so what sort of thinking dominates? Um, and, you know, what I've learned from my experience and from, um, you know, surrounding myself with uh, uh, recovered people, people who know the big book, who have taught me the big book, who have taught me about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, is that I cannot eat on the truth. I can only eat on a lie. And in active addiction, these are the lies that I tell myself, you know. Um, you know, like I, I don't go into a, to a pizza shop and say, you know, please give me, you know, two slices of pizza and 300 extra pounds to go with that. I just think, okay, I'm just going to have two slices of pizza and I'm going to be fine. You know, the fact that yesterday I, uh, I wasn't able to only have two slices and I had to have the whole pie or I had to have, you know, this and that and the other uh, in addition to the whole pie. Um, I can justify, well, I was having a bad day, I wasn't really committed, I was not really determined, you know, I deserved it because, you know, um, you know, I was so stressed or I was tired, or I was hungry because I skipped my breakfast. I can rationalize yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before, you know, in order to convince myself that this time I will be able to eat just two slices you know, notwithstanding the years and years and years of evidence to the contrary, the fact that I have never, ever, ever, ever in my entire life have ever been able to eat two slices. But if I tell myself, you know what, two slices and 300 pounds with that, I mean, that, that changes my whole perspective. And that is indeed, you know, the way I think now. I mean, the page 84 tells me, you know, if tempted, we recoil from it from, uh, as if from a hot flame. You know, program doesn't guarantee that we are never going to be tempted. Recovery doesn't guarantee that we are never going to be tempted. But the promise is that when we are tempted, you know, we're going to be uh, restored to sanity. We're going to be able to differentiate the true from the false. And I'm going to be able to say to myself, Nessa, you're kidding yourself. You have never, ever been able to have two slices. And, you know, um, and that's the way it's been for me. And, you know, most of the time, the beauty is I don't even care about the, the, the food that I used to care before. And I don't feel deprived. You know, a lot of people ask me, do you feel deprived? And my answer is yes. I feel deprived of 70 extra pounds, of being winded, going half a flight of stairs, of not being able to move my roly-poly body. I feel deprived of, of unfashionable, baggy, you know, uh, burlap-looking clothes. That's what I feel deprived of. You know, I, I have a much richer life, a much more active life, you know, that I'm very, very content with right now, you know. Um, and I could have only done that if um, when I told myself the truth that I've never been able to do that and I will never be able to do it um, ever, ever. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Before, Matt, Matt, before you go, I just want to let people who are late on the line know that we read the last paragraph on 34 and the first paragraph on 35. Go ahead, Matt M. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Hi, everyone. Good morning. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater from New Jersey on the East Coast. And uh, so we should describe some of the mental states that proceed to relapse in the drinking for obviously it's the crux of the problem. Yeah, right now my mental state isn't the best because I just got some news that by state aid that got cut by 80, 90% because my rent went down, but it really didn't. 
I'm still paying 90% of my check, but I forgot to send in the receipt showing that I'm still paying more than I more than I have to. And uh, so then hopefully uh, this month it's going to be really tight for me to get all the food I need. But I'm just giving it to God. I'm, I'm not going to eat over this because what's the point of me shoving cookies down my throat when at the same time it's it's exacerbating the problem in the first place. So I'm just taking it one day at a time. And I, I don't need to buy things that are going to get me sick, you know, that are going to trigger the physical allergy. Because right now my mental, my mental upset, the mental obsession has got me. And that's why that's the reason I'm on the meeting and making phone calls and calling my sponsor and working through the big book because this is the kind of times in life where, you know, if I eat over these things, I'll never I'll never learn how to cope and I'll never learn how to deal with these problems. Stuff is gonna come up left and right and uh I don't need to eat over I don't need to eat over these things because it's just gonna cause one I'll have two problems. I'll have the food and then I'll have the same problem again, it'll still be right in front of my face, you know. But what is he thinking? I definitely do not need to do this for myself. I just have to take it one day at a time. And my my head will stay above water. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Charles H. Thank you so much, uh, Rebecca F. For your service, Charles H. A recovered um, compulsive overeater. I just want to say something for overeaters anonymous sakes and for the newcomer. Food is just a symptom, and weight is just a manifestation of that symptom. Now back to our regular stage program. Um, So for me, the big book is full of five things, promises, prayers, conditions, warnings, and questions. So to the text, how then shall we help our readers determine to their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? Um, My own experience, if I I could even answer this question, We'll say that, and and, and there's three things that my friend always says that I can do. Recover, 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 because you can't transmit something you ain't got. So, you know, trying to work with people, that's what what the 12 Steps says is we're trying to work with people. Um, What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats each time after time the desperate experience of that that first drink? Um, I don't know, and I can say that because we can't solve the riddle. We cannot. You know, I, I posted something yesterday uh, after reading Dr. Bob's Nightmare. He tried to ask everybody that knew everything about it. We we know. I know I did. When I came to OA, I, I tried to ask everyone, hey, how do you do that? What's your food plan? What are you doing? How much times you work out? How much times you do this and that? We can't solve the riddle. These questions, man, I thank her for that. Like, you know, his assignments is answer the question in your life. In this big book, how then shall we help our readers determine? You know, break this big book down with people. Don't just go on this meeting. Help read this book and take what they got because they're helping you too. There's something amazing when we chop this thing up together. Don't read it. Study it and apply it to your life. This is just unbelievable. I'm having a colonoscopy tomorrow, and food is not even bothering me. I I, I just set my food plan in, liquids, water, that's it. Water and that nasty, disgusting thing that's in my um freezer that I got to take every 15 minutes. But I have, I trust God. I trust God because I'm cleaning the house every single day. So how shall we re- re- determine this? I don't know. But I'm going to study every single day and trust God, help others and clean house. Maybe not in that order, but it's going to happen. And I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Deborah R. 
Good morning. Good morning, my fellow visionaries, and uh, thank you for being here and doing this program with me. And as it says, um, we are in a position here to um, how do we convince anyone, our reader, a newcomer or someone returning, someone just off of relapse, um, whether they are one of us or not. Um, we've just spoke a little bit the previous day that this is a baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. So um, Bill is going to unfold the stories of three people um, coming up. There will be Jim who was a little bit nervous and anxious, and he thought a little milk and his whiskey would would be fine, and it wasn't. That's his kind of mental twist, just that stinky thinking. There's a story of a jaywalker, which I can identify with, and all the craziness to keep going back out, even though it does hurt him. And then there's this wonderful Fred, who's really a nice guy. Everything's going good for him. He doesn't even fight. But the next thing he knows, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a drink? There is that strange mental twist that keeps compelling us to go back and do the same agonizing pain again and again. And it kind of wraps up with, you know, we saw that willpower on page 42, that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in these strange mental blank spots. Um, and that on page 43, his defense must come from a higher power. And these stories and the steps up to them and the actual retracing their steps as just a model for me to retrace my own steps and explaining what happened to me to help the newcomer or anyone that would like to journey again, once again, through the big book, um, and that this is a cunning, baffling, powerful disease, that it is the mind that will take me back. Once I put the food in, the allergy of the body will keep me coming back, but it's those thoughts that I have no defense against except to a higher power. Self-knowledge and my own willpower are of not. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Deborah R. Katie G. Rebecca, did you say Katie G? I was unmuting. I said your name, Katie G. Wonderful. Thanks. Let me get my timer. Hey, guys. It's Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Mexican and Bulimic loving this meeting in Boston, Mass. Um, I think it's so interesting, right? So the first paragraph tells us about the experiment of Quintet quitting for a time. and um, But then it says we can render an even greater service, greater service, so like something that's even more important. So as so many of my fellows have beautifully described, the mental states that proceed or relapse into drinking, that is the crux. And what is the crux? The central piece. Um, and I love it. It says, what sort of thinking dominate? So to dominate means in a com- 
demanding influence. It's all I can think about time after time after time. You know, I'm going along for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's all I can think of. And um, they say, you know, friends who have reasoned with him say, you know, why did you go there? Why did you do that? And, you know, what I found time after time, I go back, I try and analyze, I try and whatever. But the thing is, what happens for me, um, you know, especially leading up to my relapse, is that my thinking got so bad, my resentment, my fear, my selfishness, my self-seeking behavior, I became the victim of my own life, that I started living in this delusional life where I am the center, right? All of you are victimizing me. And because I'm a food addict of the hopeless variety, food is my only option. It's dominating me. There is nothing else I can think of. There's no other way that God can come in. So what is my solution? My solution is God. My solution is the 12 steps. My solution is, as somebody taught me, keeping my thinking on a daily basis connected. Because if I'm not, if I am indulging in anger towards a friend or my husband or my employer, eating is going to be a step up. You know, somebody called me the other day and was talking about their right to anger. And I'm like, I, I don't have any rights. I don't have any rights around anger. Nobody, like, right, like, I, I don't, there's no such thing as justifiable anger. You know, like, I cannot be right anymore. Um, I, I just don't get to operate in the world that way. So I'm, I'm so grateful because not only does this have a profound impact for those of us who are new in the program, who can't understand, you know, why do I keep going back? I think if I can just will my thinking, if I can just get on the right track, we can't. Like, I am powerless. I cannot stop without a greater without a power greater than myself, and there is a solution, you know, one through nine. And then for all of us who are continuing, thank you, God, one day at a time, on this path of, of recovery, of working, of learning, I have to keep growing. I have to keep looking at where am I falling short? How do I, like a sailboat, my, my sails get blown out, and, and my thinking gets ugly. And if I'm not careful, eating is going to be a step up binging, purging, whatever, it's going to be a step up. So thank you, God. Thank you for all of you that I can continue to show up, continue to learn, continue to humble myself, and continue to stay abstinent and have a relationship with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader uh, from Chicago. The, uh, the strange mental blank spot comes with certain thinking. And of course, this vicious cycle of my mind uh, continuously takes me back to the first bite and my body, you know, dooming me to not eat like normal uh, people puts me in a senseless series of sprees and it makes it virtually impossible to stop. And these steps don't teach you how to maintain more control. So if you think these steps teach you how to maintain more control, that's not my experience. The thing is, the life problems that dominate me have nothing, nothing, nothing to do with me taking the first bite, and I'll prove it to you. There's likely a recovered person on this line right now that was diagnosed with cancer and didn't eat over it. There's a person on this line who was fired from their job and didn't eat over it. There's someone else who came into a lot of money and didn't eat over it. Can you imagine that there's another person on this line who lost a loved one recently and they didn't eat over it? Now, there are others who've experienced all those things and ate. 
and ask yourself, what's the difference between these two, these two groups? More control, less control? No, once you have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, the problem's been removed. You've been transitioned from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. It was all about a spiritual malady. It had nothing to do with how you were raised, what happened in your life, that if what happened to you happened to anyone else, of course you would eat over it. That is, that is false. Not a little false, 100% false if you're a compulsible reader with the twofold nature of this disease. What happens to you has nothing to do with it. It's moving from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, having a spiritual transformation as the result of these steps. Then when all the bad stuff happens, as it will for humans, you will have a mental defense, and it comes from God, not from you, not from more control. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. So it's time to open up the lines again. If anyone else would like to share on the last paragraph on 34. And hello, this is Raquel. I hear someone who said, hello, who was that? Harlan Rebecca, Lee. this is Raquel. Oh, okay. oh, Raquel and Harlan. I can hear her name. Lady. And Leah Melissa D. Melissa C. And Melissa C. Nancy. Tina S. Who was before Tina S.? Janice M. Well, Janice M., but that's not, I don't think who it was. Nancy Allen. Sally A. Nancy R. Okay. So um, I have a feeling we're not going to get to all of you, so I don't know if there's any point in putting another name down. But um, here's who I have. Raquel, Harlan, Leah D., Melissa C., Nancy R., Tina S., Janice M., and Kelly um, I doubt we have enough time for all of you. I'm so sorry, but go ahead, Raquel. I know it takes Raquel. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Raquel. You there you are. Yeah, Hi. I hear you. Hi, it's Rebecca. Thank you for the service. And thank you, everybody on the line. Boy, I need you today more than ever. All the wonderful things that are said and this incredible reading. Oh, how then shall we help our readers determine to their own, how shall we help Raquel determine to her own satisfaction whether she's one of us? Okay, Raquel is convinced already. So, but when the hard stuff comes, like Liz spoke before, when the hard stuff comes up, and uh, well, well, so I, I will admit it's hard stuff now, for me, uh, with my the situation of my brother, with my health, and you know, there's one more thing that can be done when that crazy mental state comes. Just call up somebody in program and tell them if the meeting is not on yet. But I I did it, and I will tell you. I just called a friend, and I said, you know, I don't know whether, and I mentioned the, some of the things that I can go crazy with. Uh, with nuts, with eating nuts, and with this, how will it be after? And she went. She she walked me through it. You know what will be after? The description of the of the the doctor's opinion that the the person repeating it again and again and again and again, unless there is an entire psychic change. And when there is some of the 
psychic change, not entire, but I feel it, you know, I feel it that this, what is now, is too big on me. It's a few sizes too big on my heart and my soul. And what can I do, you know, to hang on to all of you and and to uh, and to one very good uh, witty thing that I heard, that I read in the, uh, I read it in the uh, AA, in the grapevine, that uh, in, the, in an AA meeting uh, between uh, cannibals, this speaker said, so I ate my sponsor, but did I drink over it? Okay, I had a good chuckle over that. So I can eat my sponsor, but I'm not going to eat over it. Thank you very much for being there. And I will survive with God's help, only with his help, one more day. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Harlan. Hi. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. It's Harlan G. I'm calling this morning from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm a compulsive overeater from Scottsdale, Arizona, if that makes any sense at all whatsoever. What is the thinking that precedes the relapse into drinking? For obviously that is the crux of the problem. That's why this chapter was written. We have to look at something that was already stated on the line for people like me. Food is never the problem. Food is the solution to the problem. That's why I did things. Dr. Silkworth says, although we admit it is injurious, in other words, I know that I'm killing myself if I eat a Kit Kat bar or an Oreo cookie. I'm aware of that intellectually. I cannot bear the pain of not eating because of the buildup of everyday normal human emotion. Now, what is, this, what is this chapter, what is this book going to convince me of if I'm at all open to what it's telling me? It is telling me that this has been happening my entire life, that when these emotions, happiness, sadness, resentment, fear, jealousy, whatever that may be, when these emotions build up, I have to look for some solution to the pain of not eating. When I'm not eating, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. Throw in scared to death, angry as hell, whatever, jealous, suicidal. I have to, I have to find a way to feel better. And food works because food will give me that instant effect that Dr. Silkworth talks about. We're in step one here in this chapter, by the way. So the only other alternative I have to the buildup of those emotions forcing me into the food is a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. This is not a chapter about people who were drunk and couldn't get sober. This is a chapter about people who were sober and made a decision to get drunk, to pick up liquor because they could no longer bear the pain of their sobriety. And every one of us has picked up food probably in our lifetime after periods of abstinence because we stopped working the steps or never started working the steps and the pain of not eating was too much for us to bear, and we picked up food. But now the steps, the spiritual awakening, 
will lower the level of those emotions so that I'm not overeating and I am doing so happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Harlan G. Good timing. Leah D. I had so much to say, but after Harlan G., I'm left speechless. <laughs> Good morning. It's Leah D. Um, this is my second meeting this morning, and when I heard this chapter on the first meeting, and I read this on the second meeting, I think about what it was like when I was seven, and the world was playing frothy emotion. I couldn't quit for a time. I couldn't quit for an hour. I couldn't quit for a day. I just couldn't quit, period. <sighs> to determine whether I have this or not, I always had this. I've had it from birth. Today I have a solution. And I didn't have the solution for 40 years because Overeaters Anonymous never gave me the solution. They started at Chapter 3. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I didn't understand the path. I have a mental obsession, and I can't quit. And over the years, I was a chronic relapser because I always decided this time it'll be different. This time I'll be okay. What's the big deal? Can I go out like a normal person and order two scrambled eggs and toast? Whole wheat yet. Who's kidding who? That's not who I am. And my pain today goes out to the seven-year-olds. My pain today is for the young people. How are we going to convince a seven-year-old that they've got this thing and they can do this? How can I do that, God? That's what I pray for today, to be able to give my recovery to the youth so they don't have to have alcoholics suffering their lives. That's what I want to do today. Give it to the youth. How do I do that? Where do I find those words? And if anyone can help me with that, I'd be more than happy to hear it because that's where my heart goes today, to the youth, because I know the pain that I suffer as an adult. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah D. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And uh, gosh, my head is just so uh, excited and filled with lots of great messages from uh, hearing everybody today. Um, you know what? What I was really thinking about was, um, you know, this part of the book where we're trying to help somebody determine um, if this is, in fact, their problem, you know, if they're going to need to really seek a spiritual solution because, um, you know, it's hard work that's going to come ahead. And unless, you know, it says until they um, you know, determined to their own satisfaction. Um, and that really is a process. That's like an internal thing. It's not, uh, you know, I could look at people in my life, uh, people I love a great deal, and I could say, oh, yeah, they've got this. But so what? You know, this, this diagnosis must come from within. Um, and, um, and so th these, are the, these are the talking points that kind of help us you know, determine it. What is the thinking that dominates? And, um, you know, and so, and it's talking about the relapse. You know, it's like when the person picks up again. And, um, you know, and when we work with others, we have that opportunity. I have that opportunity a lot. People return to the food and, and they call. And sometimes the conversation is, um, well, I just ate a little bit. You know, I wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as it was before. And, you know, 
that's interesting, but that really can't be where our conversation takes place because it's not the quantity that you took this time. Because if you have what I have, you're playing Russian roulette. Um, the quantity this time wasn't so bad, but next time it will be. Rest assured, if, if this is what you have. So what we, you know, what I try to talk about is what what was the thinking that dominated? And dominated, um, you know, is is the strongest. You know, when I think about something that dominates, it's the strongest, most forceful power. So that what was your thinking that crowded out everything else, every piece of um, rational thought, all of your intelligence, your life experience, um, you know, when somebody picks up, that's what I talked about, the fact that you have all this information and yet you picked up again. We picked up again and again and again. And, um, you know, and so what it tells me here is if that's what you have, um, then keep reading because we're going to tell you what it is you need to do so that you can live peacefully. Thank you with that on behalf. Thank you, Melissa C. Nancy R. And if you're not Nancy R., please mute your phone. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much. My name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and I thank you for your service. I thank all all the people who shared. Um, you know, it. Uh, uh, I've heard it. It has been stated that repetition is the only form of permanence. And uh, this study makes it also clear that even though this uh, idea is stated early in the book, it's restated because I need to hear it. And, you know, I don't speak for other people, other addicts or other compulsive overeaters. I can only speak for myself. I need to hear this message over and over and over it up and down in different kinds of way, ways, I need to hear the message. And um, I need to be reminded every day of who I am and what I am. And I'm reminded of it through this meeting, through other uh, my face-to-face meetings, through the literature, and above all, through the people I sponsor and working with my sponsor. I had an experience with a sponsee last week who uh, was very upset because a lady she is sponsoring uh, called and told her uh, that her nutritionist told her um, that uh, if there's a food you're craving, you need to just have a little of it. And uh, so she was upset, and I said, "Well, you know, there's nothing you there's nothing you can do if she if she thinks that that her." Uh, Nutritionist has given her permission to sample her binge foods, and you, you know you've been working through step one, the doctor's opinion, and and you told and she's had the material. She's you know she's read the material, but obviously she's not convinced. And 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 uh, you know there's nothing you can do because she's going to do it. What and uh, it might be worth, like it says in the previous readings, a good case a good case of the jitters. And of course, you know she she experimented, and you, and we all know what happened, uh, to, because she's a real compulsive overeater. So uh, I need these kinds of experiments uh, from others. I don't need to experiment myself. I need to be reminded that if I ever, you know, that when that strange mental quirk comes up, uh, that's some reading I've read uh, that tells me that it's okay for me to eat it this way. 
I need these reminders of, of no, I'm a real compulsive overeaters, and I'm so grateful that this meeting exists. Uh, it, it has really helped me to understand this program like I've never done before. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Tina S. Tina? Tina S. Sorry, Rebecca, can you hear me? Now I do. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. Hi, thanks for your service, Rebecca. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting. So grateful to be on the line and to be part of today. You know, I'm so grateful that someone prior to me coming into the rooms read this and and knew that they wanted to to show me uh, how to determine if I was one of them. You know, and, and it tells me exactly how to do that, that they describe. And, you know, and what that means is is they put in words, you know, what happened to them prior to this relapse. You know, and, 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 it's, and, it, and it's sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And if I am one of them, and maybe I would like, like, maybe I would want to do some of this stuff so that I could get what they got. You know, and, and I always have to believe, and I know it's the truth, that, you know, the relap- the pickup of whatever the substance is, is the last part of a relapse. The mental state is certainly prior to. And then it says in here, which is so funny, it says, you know, it says, um, we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking for obviously, it, you know, that this is the crux, the most important part. Obviously, clearly apparent. And this, a lot of times, is clear and apparent to many other people and not me but me at the last moment. But the good news is, you know, and I like that it was shared that if this thinking dominates me, which commands me to no end, then maybe, you know, I need to pick up this simple kit of spiritual tools, you know, one day at a time and follow somebody else's example in the solution, which is, you know, for me, it's it's all 12 steps. I have to do them all to have that spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And, And with that, I'll pass. Great meeting. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Janice M., how about well, thank- you want to kind of keep it a little short, a couple of minutes? I sure will try, absolutely. Okay, good morning to you, Rebecca. Um, my name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Okay, so this whole chapter is talking about the insanity of my mind. Well, I didn't think I was insane. I mean, insane? That means crazy? No, no. It's my, not my eating, but my thinking. I never knew that before. I never knew that that thought that propelled me to pick up that first bite was dominating me. It was commanding me. It was my master. You know, there was nothing I could do. It was very powerful over me. I did not have the power to remove it. I did all kinds of ways in my mind to to control it, but I was controlled by my disease, and I can't I can't serve two masters. And you know, like it was said, it's not I can't find a physical solution. Yeah, I have to do a certain food plan, but you know that's not my problem. And you know, all actions we've we've heard this. All actions are born in thought. Now, if something isn't born, it isn't there. Or if it's there and it's dead and it's been taken away, then we don't act accordingly. And that's what the steps did because that's the thought 
that precedes my thinking, that precedes, that's my thinking, that gives me reason to pick up. And uh, we're going <clears> to, <throat> the book's going to illustrate, and then I, you can identify, hopefully, with the, with the uh, examples that the book states about the mind controlling our thinking. And then that's, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Janice M. Kelly, I'm sorry we've run out of time. Perhaps you can share in the next hour or on a subsequent meeting. Um, I want to thank you, everyone, for your participation and enthusiasm and willingness to step up and share and um, everything in this meeting and for, and for the opportunity I was given to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9901-9901. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Amanda R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. For the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.